0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the, the great wide world of tabletop gaming. I mean, we're talking war games, we're talking role-playing games, we're talking board games. Just the games that we play, that we spend our time and our hobby dollars on these days. Um, it has been said, usually on this podcast, that we're in the middle of a great gaming renaissance. There are just so many games that we can spend our hobby everything on. Um, that it's sometimes hard to know what to play. We, we often feel like, at least a lot of my friends and I feel like, that we can never quite get, get enough game time in. And when we do, there's the decision of what games to play. So the, 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 the goal of this podcast is to talk about some of those games that we're playing um, and some of the things that are happening in the gaming industry. Now, you might be able to hear some noise in the background because this is a very special cast dice. This is not uh, recorded in the usual place. Uh, We are recording live from Good Games Melbourne, uh, which yesterday was the site where we held Operation Bear. Uh, At this point, I guess it's safe to say it was Melbourne's largest ever bolt action event. And I am joined today by two of the players. Now we've returned to the scene of the crime to, uh, to recap some of the things that happened and to talk bolt action, and uh, some of the things that we've taken away, and inspirations. Before we get into that, it is definitely time to talk about our guests. Now, both of these men are regulars on this show. You will know their voices. I would say you know their faces, but clearly, this is radio. Um, The first man is returning from a very long time uh, away because he was on the last episode. Uh... And since then, he's kind of won a lot of stuff. Um, Spoilers, uh, we'll have to get into that in a minute. But the beard is beautiful, the man is handsome, and his airborne are gorgeous. Lee Avery, welcome to Cast Dice. Thanks for having me yet again, Brad. Anytime, man. Seriously. The invite's always out. That red carpet, baby. Come on down. I
1: love walking down it.
0: There you go. (laughs) And uh, joining us as well and uh, sharing the same microphone, which might be a little awkward later on, uh, we have the one and only, well, safely to say, my most regular opponent, uh, the guy who I play in Gaslands, I play in Conflict 47, Bolt Action, you name the system, this man plays it along with me, and he is a ripper of an opponent. The man, the myth, the legend, Dave Monroe. Welcome back. Thanks, Brad. Always a pleasure to talk gaming yeah. yeah. So we have survived Operation Bear. Now, that is saying survived because when we started, we had uh, 33 players uh, and a wait list of uh, several. And then um, I, I guess the the attrition of winter in Melbourne set in. And you usually expect about a 10 percent drop off on your events. Well, in the 36 hours leading up to Operation Bear, we had five drop. Um, But thanks to the the wait list and some folks who wanted to get some games in, uh, we ended with 30, which uh, I am more than happy with. Uh, Now, I can talk all day about the event, um, but we'll get into the missions and everything else later. Um, As a player, Dave, what would you think of the venue, of the event? What are your general takeaways?
2: It was a really nice day. I I think a pretty cruisy
0: vibe. It was good. 30 players, nice number. You know, it's a real buzz. Yeah, man. And um, so we went with two missions, and we'll get into the missions themselves in a second, but two missions that were objective grabs, and the last one was sort of like a kill point where you're trying to kill more of your opponent's uh, units than your own, but we we added that little caveat to the mission at the end where you could try and get into your opponent's deployment zone um, if you needed to score additional kills, just for those, you know, sometimes armies need that secondary uh victory condition and that seemed to work um the missions were a little weirder than usual but i was trying to take us away from our usual comfort zone um what'd you think i like the mix of the
2: two objective based ones and and the the kill point one i reckon that's the, the kind of sweet spot for a three three game day yeah that's nice and we'll talk in more detail about the
0: missions yeah Definitely. Uh, because I also thought that it was an interesting mix of the armies. I mean, we saw a nice mix of uh, regular armies, veteran armies. There weren't very many all in experienced forces, I think because of the way that the event was structured. Uh, I required it to be one platoon. Um, you couldn't take multiple platoons, but I, I expanded it out a little bit because I said you could take one of the plus-one options that is in a normal platoon, so a tank— or an armored car, or a mortar, or something like that. And you could take a second one of those, but you couldn't take duplicates. So you couldn't take, for example, two medium mortars. You could take a heavy mortar and a medium mortar because they're separate entries. Um, you could take uh, a Panther Four and you could take a Panther Three, but you couldn't take two Panther Fours, um, if that makes sense. So um, yeah, it, it meant that listing, I, w- I did that to sort of prevent bloat um, of order dice. Um, But I also did that just to give someone, you know, give folks a new listing set of criteria to sort of play around with. Uh, And people seem to really like the experimenting with it. Uh, It was also 1,111 points, and that really pushed some people out of their comfort zone. Uh, But, Lee, uh, what did you think about that whole – so the Army building – criteria slash the event itself what were your general thoughts
1: yeah i thought it was good i think it's worth pointing out as well uh it didn't allow theater selectors so yes good point had to be generic platoons out of relevant army books uh what that meant was sort of i suppose a bit more general sort of stuff we still had quite a variety of armies turning up yeah different forces and then within that different sort of i suppose themes emerging as well so as Brad stated, ran my airborne again, um, but there was you know a wide variety of different German forces and some different mm. British forces and people taking what you know they might have used as theater selectors in the past and just using them as a generic platoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the extra option from a from a zero one option sort of created some interesting lists as well. Definitely saw more armor and vehicles oh, yeah. on the table. Uh, I definitely noticed that, so I think um, speaking to a couple of players afterwards hadn't they felt they hadn't packed enough anti tank mm. to deal with vehicles they didn 't realize sort of the escalation it was probably going to provoke yeah, I think the extra points contributed to that as well I agree, so yeah it's definitely a couple of combos kicking around that were quite interesting yeah. Um, but yeah, you know terrain was beautiful, we had uh fifteen tables set up, which is quite a bit to pack into a game store, yeah and there you was know, still a bit of room to move around, so it wasn't too crowded. It was good.
0: Yeah, I was able to get in on the Saturday night, and the Good Game staff were amazingly accommodating, and we just pushed the tables around and um, sort of spread everything out in such a way that I didn't feel like things were cramped. Um, like, to be honest, at Operation Wolf, I, I didn't do that, uh, and it didn't occur to me till everyone was playing just how tight it was. Um, I felt like i well i was at, I was maneuvering between tables the whole time, walking from table to table, and I didn't feel cramped at all. Then again, I wasn't toting around figure cases um Did you find that that was a better situation than last time?
1: I think yeah, it was definitely better laid out than last time. Okay. I think any event you attend though there's always space constraints, yeah, always best to be careful how you're carrying your army and mm-hmm. just being aware and and courteous to the other people around you as well. you know keeping your eye out, somebody's moving past, don't try and push and shove, just be civil.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, I, I do remember I had a, uh, games workshop coworker way back when, when we were planning for, uh, the grand tournaments and he said, you always have to account for people's elbows and a holes. And, um, and yeah, I, I, not necessarily the most family friendly thing to say on a show, but I mean, you really do need to accommodate that people are going to drop things. They'll bend over and typically they'll bend over and you need to accommodate the fact they might bend over into the person next to them. um, but you need to make sure that they don't bump into the table behind them because bad things, man. Um, But yeah... What did you think about the uh, the vibe, so to speak?
1: Yeah, it was really good. I mean, uh, we spoke about in the last podcast, a lot of people that we've known from different game systems have sort of mm-hmm. converted over to Bolt Action in the last sort of 6-12 months. That's right. Uh, so quite a number of them turned up, along with a bunch of the Melbourne regulars, mm-hmm. and then a few others that had sort of travelled uh, from some of our regional areas and, and right. some of the other sort of games clubs that we don't see so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was really good. You know, different crowd, different variety of people, which mean different armies, Different ideas, different tactics. So, oh, yeah. Sort of gave a good variety to the day.
0: And that really added a ton as far as um, best painted, as far as the hobby that was brought to this event. It jumped up unbelievably. Not to say that the last couple events the hobby hasn't been high. It has. Um, I mean, hobby, sort of a hobby, uh, big hobby presence in Melbourne. Uh, Tristan um, painted an entirely new army for this. We had um, Chris come from CanCon—sorry, from uh, Canberra, who had a sensational German army that a lot of people out there have seen. But unless you've gone up to CanCon or played in events where he's at, which I'd seen you know bits and pieces of his stuff before, but I hadn't seen that army laid out like that, and it really made an impact on people. Um, Nick Beatty's beautiful—I know we talk about it a lot, but his beautiful King Tiger army, people hadn't—you know— People still are getting used to just how well put together that force is. And he'd added stuff to his army. Um, likewise, Ben Llewellyn had taken that next level with his Germans. And again, and Ben and I were talking about it yesterday after the event. Um, people kept coming up to me after the event um, or sorry, after they played him and saying, I didn't see his army during the voting. Like, was it there? And I was like, yeah, it was there. Um his camouflage is so good, it blends into the table, even in the army display section. Uh, but his the painting was sensational. Uh,
2: yeah, the the skills, Ben, is what I had in mind. I thought, we're getting these new players in in mm-hmm. different clubs, but the um, some of them are coming with years and years and years of experience of oh, modeling yeah. from, from other systems. And, and the, the the skills in Melbourne in bold action have lifted the, the what's oh, yeah. coming to the table. It's really nice.
0: Yeah, and I don't know if you guys had a chance to see Byron's Canadians, because in previous events, he'd sort of base coat washed them to get them on the table. And he had, I mean, when he came to Op Wolf, he had been like painting all night the night before to get them, you know, just enough to get them on the table. And at Operation Grief, he'd stepped them up a notch. But the detail for Operation Bear on his force was astonishing. He painted all the little... Emblems on everyone's shoulders. Yeah, that's his red devils. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. It's nice nice force. Played against that one too, at um
2: uh not this one, but the Grief. The, yeah. uh, grief. And um yeah, it's a really fun list
0: to play too. Yeah, man, he knows his stuff. Uh and it's just it's great to see these experienced war gamers come in. It also it gave the room I don't know, like a calm. People knew what the expectations were. Um, sometimes when you get new players, you know, they might be a little excited or they may not know what the, they may have a lot of questions about where do I go? What do I do now? Uh, and we did have one guy who, you know, started playing and didn't, wasn't using a tape measure because he didn't quite understand that you need to actually measure things exactly. Um, not out of maliciousness because he was brand new to the game. But, um, or games in general, I should say. But some of the other people who came, you know, old school war gamers, and just sat in the back, arms crossed, ready to rock and roll, and as soon as you handed in the mission, you just saw, you know, as I said before, like the matrix start to go for their eyes, and like the numbers start to crunch, and they look at the board, and look at the mission, look at the board, and then they look at their opponent and go, okay, now I'm ready, let's do this. And it was just awesome to see that. Um, Especially since a lot of those players have maybe played in one or two events, and then they were coming up, and just taken some of the more experienced players through their paces. So, yeah, it was it was awesome.
2: And one of the points of difference on the day was the choice to introduce new missions and not mm. use the ones from the book, which I thought was great. Mm. Uh, and they're worth
0: talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I really wanted to do something that was different. Um, and I was going to use the missions from the Bolt Action Mission Pack from 2016. A lot of people love those missions, and they were tested to death. A lot of people had seen those, um, and experienced players, um, you know, had said, "Oh, I know that mission. I know how to get around that mission. I have my game plan." And I was thinking, "Well, this time, let's take the game plan and throw it out the window and see what happens, um, and put everyone on an even field." Uh, I may have, I, I don't know. Let's get to the missions. Dave, tell us what we did. Um, I, I guess I'll preface this: is I
2: don't think I, uh, any of them were broken. Uh, all all played, and and they, I, I think. A balanced army had a chance at, at any three of them against cool. a balanced opponent. And and the usual caveats is you get weird matchups and things that, yeah, that, a different discussion. Um, so I think that was all right. The, the My main observation is that the two objective missions, uh, despite their quite dis- different, different um, uh, deployment mm-hmm. and setup processes, I don't know if you want to go through a, an overview of them, they're, they're online and whatnot, um, uh, but they end up. I
0: felt they end up playing quite similar. Well, let uh, me let me tease that out quickly. So the first mission was limited reserves. And the way that the, it deployed, it was basically imagine the table is a rectangle with the long sides at the top and bottom of the rectangle. Um, and you had one objective in the middle, and then there were objectives, I believe it was 18, 15, 18 inches from the table edge, 12 inches in, 12 inches in from, from, from each corner towards the center of the table. So you... It was equidistant all around. I was going to say, but generically, it was like uh, an objective in
2: the center and one in each quarter, table quarter, and for both of them, although the rules for placement in the first, it was given and it was equal, and in the second, it was the players took turn in placing the quarters. Right. um, Which is a modest
0: amount of variation. Mm, Agreed. And it meant that some of the players that was walking around from tables, some of the players had, because they... In the second mission, they could place them in wherever they wanted within those table quarters that didn't... And there was some pushback rules, but it meant that they were really sort of spread around in different kind of configurations in different places. Whereas in the first one, as you say, it was very prescripted. Um, but then the deployment rules are re- really changed those two missions up. Because the first one, had you could only deploy within six inches of the board edge, uh, your long table edge and along one of the short edges up to nine inches. So it made this L that you could deploy in, and the defender deployed first, and they had to deploy um, their units there, and then the attacker, he had to deploy everything, and only two units could be held in reserve. Um, the attacker had to deploy in the same thing. Now, if you think about that, two of those points are going to overlap. So on your... Um, your The attacker and defender's deployment zones actually overlap by six inches, um, and so what that meant was there needed to be a pushback rule. Now, some of the people who had questions about it, because I published the mission in advance um, pointed out that that meant that the attacker might be crammed into a corner um, if the attacker went super aggressive with their deploying into the corners because of the pushback. So I put in that you could deploy, and I think that's where the 18 inches was, 18 inches from the corner in sort of a circle as well. So the attacker got more of a generic um, <sighs> deployment than would maybe the Defender could have if the Defender got super crazy. Um, but what did you think about that? It
2: occurs to me as I was listening to that explanation is that I had a low order dice army and I think on the day I ended up... Yeah, each of my opponents, we all had relatively small order dice dis, uh, lists mm. for those two games. So the, the whole spread out thing wasn't really an option yeah <laughs> so so perhaps we missed that opportunity within our deployments to actually even play with that which is right. not a fault of the scenario but just listening to what you're talking about oh you know neither of us had to worry about that pushback right. just didn't become a feature
1: i think uh, for mine my opponent had 10 dice I had 10 for that Mm -hmm. first mission and I sort of stacked both flanks and just left my home middle corner, I suppose you'd call it, Mm -hmm. pretty lightly defended and with the intention of I'm holding that one, if I hold my one on my right flank and then I've got the one on the other side, if I can Mm -hmm. hold that, then I've got three, they're going to have two, we'll fight over the middle kind of thing. And That's how it sort of panned out in the end and I actually managed to push up my right flank as well to try to go for the one in their safe corner mm-hmm. and cleared a unit off and it forced him to move resources over and sort of take it and nice. got, kept me out of it in the end. But yeah, it, to have the option to actually say, you know what, I actually am going to just stack my flanks mm-hmm. and just try and roll it up and contain you that way. I think as an attacker, uh, so I was a defender, sorry, opponent was attacking. I think if I was attacking, I probably would have just stacked one flank yeah, and then said, okay, well, you're not going to physically be able to move all the way over here with all my other stuff right. pushing through so I can know I've got at least one safe and I'll just try and roll up one side and let you have the other corner. That's fine.
0: Exactly. I considered going straight up the guts in the middle when I was thinking about when I was doing the attacker on this. Um, but that was before I put in the, the extra 18 inches. So once that 18 inches was added I I would almost definitely sort of punch through the center and then but... <clears throat> I don't know. Then you want. Then you might get hit from both sides. It, it depends on how you, you look at it.
1: Yeah, but that eighteen inches from the corner. Yeah. You might as well deploy in the middle of the table. Yeah. Because you're six inches up. You're only eighteen from the center anyway. Right. That eighteen in coming from the diagonal, you're actually further away from the center point. Yeah. Because of you know algebra.
0: Yeah. No. Exactly. Geometry. 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 geometry yeah geometry i I think this is what we did
2: we we both loaded one flank each
0: mm. and then
2: we both got sucked into the middle for a big punch up in the middle. so uh, neither of us kept focused.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't see I mean there weren't lists that had a million order dice. If there were, I think that mission would would be very different um, and because you could li- literally stack the both. but given the one platoon restriction with the extra additional unit. Um, it meant that a lot of the players, a lot of the tables that I looked at were doing exactly what you described, Dave, where one was on one side and the other was on the other and then you sort of met in the middle. It was almost like this yin-yang that was happening um, on the battlefield. But it was sort of the swirl where forces were sort of coming together. And yeah, I, I thought it made for a cinematic game. Um, the second mission also had the five and as we said, um, one objective was in the middle and then there were four objectives, one in each table quarter. What made this one interesting is you, could, you had to put half your army on the table, but when you deployed, your, ta- your deployment was half the table, but it was the right half or the left half. So it wasn't the 6-inch, 12-inch, 9-inch, whatever, deploy onto the table. It was You could deploy anywhere in your right-hand half of the board if the long, and the long edge is the top and the bottom, if that makes sense, or the left. And then you had to pick your long table edge. Now, when you brought your units in later, they would come in from the entire long table edge. So your opponent could be deploying units straight from reserve into your side, so to speak. And if they outflanked, they could be coming in from your rear. So you didn't allow outflanking. Oh yeah, sorry. I did. I did I I got rid of outflanking. Thank you. Um it wasn't there originally and then I got rid of it. Thank you. Um so but it, it also meant that you had to watch your side the whole time. So it was a little bit of um, the madness of the battlefield. Um, but, and I was, that was the one I was really nervous about. Um, how'd you guys think that one played?
1: Uh, I thought it was interesting. So my opponent, Ben, um, when it came down to placing our uh, tokens, that was a 15 inch pushback between mm-hmm. objectives. That's right. Uh, he actually placed his first one in his quarter on the side almost on the center line, as close as he could get it to the middle. So it actually created this sort of central thing. And I sort of countered with another one in the diagonally opposite corner, um, sort of 15 inches back, but Mm -hmm. a bit more towards, I suppose, the middle of the table. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of on the swing. And then he placed his third one um, pretty much as close as he could get it between the three to form a sort of square. And so we created this real tight Mm -hmm. bit in the middle where there's sort of four objectives all... Clumped up close. Yeah, I placed the last one way out on my other side flank, so it was just really isolated. Mm-hmm. Thinking that oh, that'll be an easy one. So that was his half of the table, though. So ah. uh, when it came to deployment, but what happened was he actually deployed very centrally. So uh, the 15-inch pushback, mm-hmm. he literally set up as close as he could to my units with his vehicles, so he oh. literally could open fire first turn, and mm-hmm. I set up in cover because took advantage of it, but. We just ended up having this massive scrum in the middle of the table over these objectives and just trying to capture and push Mm -hmm. each other off and assaulting and failed assaults and just units getting wiped out, just trying to control the territory. Yeah. And then I had one tiny little squad sitting out in the flank that Mm -hmm. took that objective and then just sat there for the game. Nice just wasn't contested at all
0: well if you're gonna play aggressively like like ben was ben's a very very cagey player like you are that was i saw that matchup and went oh no that's gonna be an interesting game um and walked by a couple times and watched your guys very seriously looking at it not in a bad way but like in a Like, there is so much math happening in heads right now. Like, the Matrix truly had dropped in front of both of your eyes, and you guys were having a good time, but...
1: We we didn't even bother doing any on the heads. We were just talking to each other about the maths on each. Like, the assaults in particular, because um, Ben's still quite new to bolt action. Um, And so, yeah, for him, a lot of it was around the decisions. And I think I spoke about it last podcast. You know, it's a game of deciding Mm -hmm. when to rally, when to do pins, when to do actions, and I think he's sort of getting his head around that Mm -hmm. um, quite well. Uh, it wasn't a. It was a hard-fought battle. Literally, came down to a, a command check. Yeah. For him in the last turn, um, to whether he could then clear another objective, and fortunately, his LT, who had failed four other command checks in a six-turn game, <laughs> failed another one. Yeah. Oh, we went to seven turns. Sorry, but uh, yeah, he failed that command check, and yep. therefore couldn't move up to try and take an objective. Oh, man. And he, uh, yeah. Got a loss out of
0: that bolt action happened man it did now I, I gotta ask you really quick before i ask for dave's um opinion on the mission so lee uh ben took one of the units that was most vilified in bolt action version one uh the flaming the the half track with the two flamers and on a it. mag with a flame, yep. yeah. Um, I had a good think. I mean, his list was very reasonable. Other than that, um I looked at that one unit and went, "Here. Uh we'll see how this rides out. It should be good. Um we're in second edition. You have to roll to hit now. It's all good. Uh you played it. What'd you think? Uh I was
1: fortunate that I managed to mobilize it oh, okay. on the first turn. Yeah. Um the problem was uh because he moved it up first. In between a bunch of objectives, mm-hmm. so it literally was <laughs> within flamer range of several of them, so I couldn't yeah. move up too safely. Uh, so it was kind of, I suppose, not as bad as it could have been. Yeah, but certainly when it did get shots off, because I did have to move stuff up at certain yeah. stages to deal with things. Um, yeah, it did cause a bit of trouble, and it's still got a machine gun on it. So oh yeah, I could still reach out and touch something else. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it was. I didn't find it so bad. Yeah. Uh, he didn't miss with a shot. I tried to deny him opportunities more than anything.
0: Exactly. And I, the other thing about that tank is, while it was awful in version 1, um, now that you rolled a hit with it and it's an open-top vehicle, um, you can really... I mean, if you get a couple pins on it, it's really going to struggle to get those hits off. So I, I felt like it was very usable in 2nd Edition.
1: Yeah, I think the issue we had, because it was such a scrum in the middle of the table and it was sitting there, uh, I didn't really have those opportunities to just put pins on it. Mm -hmm. I had a Polston cannon that just literally was lined up for it and just sat there just shooting at it every turn. (laughs) Yeah. If I could put a pin on it from that, then it was at least forcing an order check. Yeah. was creating, you know, issues there. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have surplus small arms fire to just take pot shots at it to try and make it harder.
0: Exactly. But it sounds like you did a good job of minimizing it as you could, anyway. Yeah, it
1: still fried a few things, though. And it's, it's still nasty when it yeah, goes. Yeah, it's off. frightening.
0: <laughs> exactly, uh, Dave. What would you think about that second mission? Um, that was, look, it's fun. I, I
2: think um, my opponent and I in that second mission. I think we must have mangled it. I know we both overlooked the uh, our flanking, for example. Mm-hmm. And that's how Ange pulled the win out of that without that flanking Polish airborne, Ooh. which is okay. I. I Helped you with the rule yeah. and told him how to make it happen, so <laughs> it was my own fault. Um, at the end of the day, I had a quick word with Ben, and the game he wanted to talk about was the second mission mm-hmm. against you, Lee. And it was a high point for him, he really enjoyed the tension there of that scrum in the middle, and the, nice. he was still talking about that failed dice roll at the end. Yeah, <laughs> so I mean, it is near the memorable ones, aren't they? When it comes down to one roll, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, what do we have? Uh, uh we we both had fairly small lists. He had the mm-hmm. airborne, and I had tank heavy lists, and and we uh, ended up with the objectives quite spread out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I concentrated on one flank, mm-hmm. and and I thought I had enough to have it together. Uh, uh, but the, yeah, the airborne—they're just hard to stop. They just keep on coming at you. Yeah, they are. And uh, and I was well, we were with three. I held three and had two in turn six but I was hanging on by screwing my teeth. I had two folks from Yaga stuck in his deployment zone, surrounded by his dudes. And it was just like, I've got a 50% chance of winning. <laughs> yeah. And of course it went to turn seven. <laughs> 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 and, uh, it's awesome. so edge got a well-deserved win there. I, I think with, with his, his Polish nice. guys. <laughs> Very nice. Right on. Yeah. And the third mission, uh, breakout was uh kill point one, uh, six inch deployment zone along the long edge. Yep. Uh, Half of the forces in reserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think were, I know it's fun. Though. It was pretty simple. It
0: was nice to end the day with a, a straight punch each other in the face, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was going for. Let's take all the thought out of this and make it kill one another. Um, I've used that mission before. That actually was at Operation Wolf, I believe. Um, I just repurposed it and used it again because um, the kill point mission I'd written uh, <laughs> ended up being arbitrary and useless and went you know what um, I'm I'm already making two missions that require a lot of thought I'm gonna try and make it as simple as possible um, what did you guys think because I know that by the third game of vault action my brains usually melting um, and I know that some of you had really tough third rounds I'm looking at you leave um, in a like good but challenging so you know brains may be hurting so I tried to make it easy and fun a nice way to end the day so what would you think yeah I', I... I didn't mind. it. I agree. There
2: weren't too many rules to keep in mind, and and the objective of the mission was pretty straightforward there. Yeah. Um, so they're they're both pluses, I think, mm-hmm. for for the end of the day. Um, I played Tony Perkins, mm-hmm. Dak Force, um, and I think I just done outgunned the poor bugger with the nature of my list. So I'm not sure. Uh, so I, I just I could just sit. Although he was really mobile, he had to drive across those open spaces. Yeah, and autocannons and things just made mincemeat of them. So I'm not sure I'm the best person to talk about the ins and outs of that particular mission.
0: <laughs> well, you took you took a unit that because um, you usually run the Tiger and you run a bunch of infantry. Like, you've run the Tiger a lot. You've run a bunch of stuff. And you're running um, sort of late war Germans. And um, I'm used to seeing, you know, a lot of here squads with LMGs um, and, you know, stuff like that. But then you added something a little spicier to your list that perhaps uh, the usual meatball, um, what, what did you add? Yeah, yeah I, you're right. I often have, have the Stug or, or
2: the Tiger, and mm. um, I, I, I took a Werberwind. Yeah. So the, the four auto cannons, um, <laughs> uh, up to eight little mm-hmm. one-inch templates. Um, it's good fun. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, it can quickly remove units, and, and certainly um, trucks and soft skins and things, they, they just they disappear in a
0: haze. Yeah, they do. But one of the, again, that list I think um sorry, that not the list. The um the unit is one of those things that people talk about often because it isn't armored for autocannons that lay down a hell of a lot of shots at range and can really put a hurt on an infantry squad. But again, it's open topped Yeah, it, it's it's open topped and I think that's probably what makes it a little more acceptable. Mm. And
2: it's not cheap at no, 230 it's not. points. Right. It's um what 10 points cheaper than a of four, mm-hmm. five points cheaper than a Stug. Something like so that. So that's to plus or minus 10 points. It's basically the same. So in, in some ways, it's got a narrower use. Mm. So you need a distinct idea in mind of what you're going to do with it. Yeah. Uh, I must admit, my idea was, um, I, I thought, I'd, I'm going to take the Tiger because they're fun. Mm-hmm. Hell, I've never used this model. And this is kind of themy because Tiger's late war are often deployed with anti-flak assets. Right. Um, uh, flak assets that's right uh, and so I put the two together and then I looked up the rules <laughs> it was only after I'd seen some um, comments on Facebook I went
0: oh what have I done yeah <laughs> I mean it wasn't awful it was but man it, it ain't soft uh, but no yeah it wasn't bad
1: uh, so yeah the third mission I think it was a bit I mean kill point missions are always around I suppose trying to get an upper hand and then trying to conserve what you got left Without your opponent I played uh, Rob D And mm-hmm. we got to the end of the third turn We looked at each other And we went We've killed one dice total like, Oh wow uh, Yeah I'd taken out one dice at that stage So we're like It's a bit slow I think the six inch deployment And then half yeah. being in reserves It just makes those first couple of turns turn slow uh, Because you're not engaging mm-hmm. That closer quarters Getting the firepower off Getting the assaults happening mm-hmm. That kind of thing but turns four and five got pretty brutal and then yeah. six was just a bit of a, what can we possibly each try and score off each other Yeah, um, to try and balance things out. So I sort of took a bit of a lead. So turn four, things had been put in position, started taking out some of his units, doing some assaults, you know, SMG toting, veterans charging, rifle wielding regulars. Mm-hmm. Um, after you've shot them up a little bit already, you're... You know, it's a pretty safe bet. Uh, So, yeah, we started seeing a bit of a die shift then. Um, I had my air observer running down the flank, Mm -hmm. hell for leather, trying to get to the deployment zone Mm -hmm. just to try and get another point just in case. Uh, I was worried about his sniper taking a pot shot, so I just, Mm -hmm. you know, drove a jeep in the way for some screening cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, that was a good game. Play Rob uh, a few times now. And, yeah, I, I think... He had me on dice advantage He had 14 to 12 uh, But during that game We both had periods of time Where we pulled Three or four dice in a row mm-hmm. And so You sort of get to String through some actions But you never know If you're going to get The next dice Exactly So you've got to be careful But um, yeah We sort of worked through it Talked through a bit of tips For each other And questioned nice. you know, Do you really want to do that Like this is the stats on it mm-hmm. Bit of oh hang on Yeah maybe not And yeah No it was quite a good Good game
0: Awesome Yeah he's a great opponent and Just a hell of a nice guy so, um, yeah, and just so many people, I think that really describes so many people who are playing at the event. Now, one of the things that actually reminds me that, um, that I had a few people ask, can I take this thing? Can I do something that's a little left of center, but is still sort of within the spirit of the game, um, knowing that I'm fairly, I like the rules and I like the way they're written. Um, I did allow a couple of players to take a few funky things. Uh, One was Pip with the Finns. He took uh, a Finrod, as we call them in Melbourne typically. That's the Nimrod from the uh, Hungarian list. Um, The rules, um, in the fluff, it says that they sold some to Finland. Um, Of course, it doesn't actually appear in the Fin list. Um, A long time ago, when that book was new, someone on Facebook asked Alessio, is is this going to be FAQ'd in? And Alessio said, and I have a picture of it on my old phone, of uh, the post, and it says, yes, this will be put into the next errata that fins can take the Nimrod. And then, it never happened. Um, but I think there was like nine months between that post and the FAQ, so I get why it didn't. Uh, but fi- uh, Pip, I, ga- I had given Pip the finrod that I got from Mad Bob. Uh, wonderful model. I just, Wasn't going to ever put it in my fins because I run much earlier fins than that. Um, Pip wanted to give it a go. I said, sure, take it. Um, I don't think anyone complained about that. Uh, But the other one was, and this ties back to your game, Lee, was Rob asked if he could use the Indian National Rules from the Desert Book. Now, those specifically say you need to tie them to a particular theater selector. Uh, But that theater selector is really limited and doesn't actually accommodate a lot of units that are traditionally associated with Indians. Uh Indi- sorry, Indian forces. And so um I said, sure, take it. Um, use it with the generic platoon. It's not a problem. Uh what did you think?
1: Oh uh, look, there was no issues from my point of view mm. with him using the national rules. I mean it's I think national rules are a, a tough one across the game. We often see discussions around oh I'm gonna run this particular list and Mm. my force didn't have access to free Russian squads or they didn't have access to artillery so I shouldn't take an observer and that sort of thing but I think in a competitive environment uh, you're going to come up against other people who have their national rules Mm -hmm. and they're all integrated and um, you know, a free squad's a free squad or an artillery piece or whatever it is you happen to get, your opponents are going to have it if you don't take it, you are you're putting yourself down a dice, you're putting yourself down points on the table as well I think it's not something that we really should be discussing as a a thing to be done, to be honest. It's part of the game design. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, the the leadership reroll from being Indians Mm -hmm. um, popped up only a couple of times in the game. Yep. He either got wiped out or he passed his leadership checks. I mean, that that was the bare bones of it. Needed a four, rolled a three naturally first time. It's like, okay, cool.
0: I (laughs) mean, that's literally the Russian rule. It's the Soviet, it's the same Soviet reroll your morale if you're going to be shot off the board rule um so it's not like it's alien to the game and instead of having a free artillery observer you get fr- a free 10-man regular squad of riflemen and that's yep. it and it's like you know what cool Done. 100 points yeah it's 100 points it's interchangeable and it's nice to see another british army that isn't british if that makes sense like yeah. you don't see the rd observer um, i don't mind the british national rules um i just whenever i play british it's that oh you're taking the arty observer and so as a as a sikh player um i've got a sikh army that i love to play i love using the indian rules because i don't have to um i can i can run that extra squad of bros and i would prefer to do that i think it's fun
1: yeah and he you know i took the indian patent carrier nice yeah. little transport thing um yeah so there's plenty of options there
0: and he had a sexton, which was cool.
1: Did have a sexton. That thing, uh, I probably put more firepower into it than I really should have. <laughs> uh, I just It's eight plus armor, even though it's yeah. open topped. It's mm-hmm. still, uh, it's got a big gun on it. I was worried about it. So I was just pinging it every turn with something just to yeah. keep the pins rolling. And uh, I ended up destroying it late in the game.
0: But it's got a light howitzer on it, right? It's not the, it's like, a, it's the l- lower gun, not up gunned. It's down gunned priest. Yeah,
1: but when you got to trying to cross the table.
0: Oh yeah, it's totally. you
1: hit your, your your unit of guys, it's still going to hurt.
0: Yeah, it is. It'll hurt a lot. Uh but yeah. So there were a few things like that that happened in the event. And it was just one of those things that people really wanted to try certain things. They seemed very feasible and reasonable, so I said, "Sure. Why not?" Um yeah. So that was great. Well, all right. Let's uh let's get into now that we've talked about the missions and we've talked about kind of some of the general things that we took. I mean, clearly you took late war Germans, Dave. Um had a great time, played the missions. Uh, What were some of your general takeaways? I don't know if we need to get into the nitty gritty game by game, but if there were some awesome experiences, I mean, Lee talked about that, that, that experience with Ben where he set up in the middle. I thought that was really interesting And the same. Likewise, you know, Ange coming in with his um, Polish airborne from behind, stuff like that. I mean, what were your overall thoughts? Any great takeaways, anything that you're taking out of this and looking to the future?
2: One of the things I, I, I did like was actually the encountering some of the new new players, mm. I, and I played. Um, I think my first game was against guy. It was his first game of bold action. Oh wow! And so that was awesome. And, you know, he he'd bought a box set. Um yeah. And I, and oh, um, one thing before I go to the game was the box set itself. That was really sweet from Warlord. It was just mm-hmm. everything from the box, and it was a nice balanced force. It, it just kind of worked on the table. Uh, uh, SS. Um, yeah. SS Force it had, a, mm-hmm. had a Stug um, a bunch of guys mm-hmm. and yeah it was just a really nice list and I was like oh okay yeah that's that's good
0: and that was Sean right oh uh, yeah it was Sean yeah. And yeah which was great because Sean was a bystander who came to check out Operation Wolf walked in saw the scene saw the people looked around went yeah this is cool like this is something I'm kind of interested in can you tell me more about this and so we talked about it he walked around he watched some games stuck around for maybe 45 minutes and was like alright cool and then he came back, yeah. um, and he came back with an army, and it was awesome, man. Yeah, it was awesome. He had he had
2: three colors on it. Yeah. Um obviously, he's, you know, we all start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. But there was um, minis with paint on on the table, mm-hmm. giving it a go. Um, so that was that was good fun, and um, yeah, there was a lot of um, oh, yeah. Here's my tape measure. You might want to buy one, um, and, yeah. and and that. But no, it was it was a very civil game, and it was mm-hmm. pretty cruisy and um yeah and um I damn near lost it too <laughs> 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 so um yeah but um so that, that that was nice actually as an environment to to come in and not uh, not be too intimidated i think there was a few newbies there that weren't yeah. were new to wargaming not just oh, he he came from a board gaming background i think i'm not sure yes. um uh, so so that was nice i think there's room for that um, well not
0: room there's an absolute place and need for, for that sort of experience as well to grow the game and the scene and yeah and it also it's really nice to see people who are coming in who have gaming experience and not necessarily tabletop war gaming experience but tabletop gaming or gaming in general experience um just because they the way they look at things is different. Their brains are wired in a different way. They're used to looking at things a different way. And it forces us, who, you know, I talked about a little while ago, the old war gamers looking in the background going, yeah, I got this. But, you know, you can really be thrown for a loop sometimes, as you say. You know, you can lose your first game, or you can lose to someone playing their first game, just because, I mean, and I know from having looked over your shoulder that he wasn't, Making bad decisions in that game, so he definitely knew what he was doing um, tactically, and he was just learning the rules around doing that.
2: Yeah, and so that that set the day up well. Um, I I always come away, um, well, actually, on the tram on the way home for after a day of gaming. I'm just blah blah blah, and the brain is just white noise static. But mm-hmm. the next morning, <laughs> yeah, you wake up going, oh yeah, here's some thoughts. Oh, gee, that list was really interesting. So yeah. seeing Tristan's partisans, yeah, um, I've got. 20 odd partisans painted, but no mm. toys to go with them. And but seeing, oh, okay, maybe a list could work. Okay, oh, yeah. Uh, so there's always there's always another project around the corner, and that's another nice thing from those days, too. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Lee, what did you think?
1: Uh, I think it was interesting. I, I touched on it earlier. Uh, the change in lists we've seen, mm. I think uh, the points values sort of changed. Um, Sort of making it a bit bigger People taking a few more toys mm-hmm. You know The Tiger and Webberwind You wouldn't see both of those In a in a list A few months ago um, Because they would have been um, You know Option wasn't there To start with But I think it's Sort of been a bit of a shift In the community Locally mm-hmm. Definitely seeing more armour uh, My reaction to that is Take more troops And then they're wasting yeah. Their points Oh you got a big AT gun That's great You're going to kill a dude A turn Never going to make that points back. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's sort of interesting. Uh, Jail took a 88, Flak 88. Yeah. I played him in the first game. He basically parked it looking down a roadway between buildings, uh, yep. pinged him a Sherman, and then we basically just tried to range in on him with my mortar for mm-hmm. the whole game and never actually caused a single wound on the thing. Uh, so good It's quite annoying uh, But yeah You know I think we're seeing A bit of, bit more variety I think people That mm-hmm. have been around a while Are moving away From the standard Sort of core stuff Trying mm-hmm. new things Trying different units That's right I took a Polston this time mm-hmm. Last event I took a Tetrarch And a Locust You know So I'm sort of Trying to mix up What I take as well That's right So I think, yeah, it's good good for the hobby, good for the game, good for the local scene to see variety and see different stuff coming through.
0: That's right. Now, are you glad you didn't take the Firefly? Because in the end, despite what you said on the podcast, he says, wagging his finger and grinning, you took something else, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I did. I know on the last podcast, I went through the sort of list, and I did mention I hadn't submitted at the time. I think that sort of helped talking through it with you uh, solidify a few ideas in my head and... I sort of walked away from that, looked at my list and went, I don't have enough order dice. I had 10 mm-hmm. And I thought for eleven hundred and eleven points, it's probably not gonna be enough. Um, so I dropped the Firefly down to a regular Shaman V mm-hmm. and added in a Jeep and I think and I switched around my artillery a bit. So I ended up taking the Pulston and a light howitzer. That's right. So it was a bit of a bit of a change around. I think I had to change some loadout. Um, SMG loadouts or something in the squads just to get the points to fit. But I did hit the magical 11-11. You did! That was just just accidental. That wasn't sort of aiming for that. The previous list was 11-10, I think. But yeah, Yeah. just fiddling around with stuff, you end up changing it a bit. Uh, So yeah, I I think that was probably the right decision Mm -hmm. to do that, just to have the extra dice. Uh, The Sherman itself, uh, I'm still new to tanks. I probably didn't use it totally optimally. Yeah. Uh probably put it out there a bit too much sometimes. Uh It barely hit anything. I'm not sure <laughs> they're worth the points. I think I'd rather take another squad and a second pee out or something. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, it, it was fun. Good to drive something around, make brum-brum noises. Exactly. And say pew-pew occasionally. Yeah, very occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> Dave?
2: Yeah, I'm not sure I'd take two tanks again either Yeah, actually um, yeah. well it says the question. guy
0: who'd spent almost 600 points on tanks
2: yeah and I was left with nine dice which is probably not quite enough to, to, to be efficient mm. um, but it, the, the 11-11 and that one extra slot uh, that was actually good fun beforehand I think it helped build um, anticipation for the event because I spent a lot longer thinking about what my list would yeah. look like than I otherwise would have and that, that was good fun that tinkering beforehand
0: yeah yeah, I had that same experience um, a couple of events ago when Tristan ran Operation Heavy, and it was, I think, 1350, and I was going, oh, God, what am I going to put into this? And I, I spent a couple of, maybe a couple of nights looking at my armies going, well, I could take this tank and this tank, because you were supposed to take a big tank, and I love big tanks, and then it fell into my lap that it was like, oh, I can take my auto sahariana. well, that solves all of my, my, because that's a list that doesn't really work at 1,000 points. And it doesn't really work. It, tw- it kind of works at 1,200, but I was kind of skimping on what I wanted. And I was like, wait a minute. I have the auto Sahariana. I have 1,350 points. And Tristan okayed the list and went, yep, boom, put it on the table. And it was just, it was so much fun. Um, but that's an army outside of a friendly game that may never see an e- event again. Not that it's not competitive, but it needs a very specific point value um, that most events won't run. So yeah, and a tank platoon because otherwise you're running 3 and 3 platoons and some of your vehicles of counts as this and it's just a headache. So, yeah, I'm just really glad that um people seem to really enjoy the 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 challenge of coming up to the 1111. Um I didn't end up giving an award to someone who got an 1111 because a lot of people did it. Um but I think that it was an experience for people to do that. Um and yeah, I think the extra slot and forcing people into one platoon um, if we didn't have so many great events happening in Melbourne, I wouldn't have done that. I would have said that, that that's really going to hamstring people, but given that we have so many events happening at the moment, it's nice to do something a little different.
2: Uh, yeah, that, that, that was one of the fun things, but kind of going into
0: the day yeah, it worked all right on the day too, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yes, I don't think it, it led to a ton of variety in listing. Um, but for a one-off event, yeah, fun and games. Well, let's talk about how the event actually finished up. Um, So we gave away nine awards at this event. Um, Best noob went to uh, a gentleman or a gentleman, a a, a young, a young man um, named Eamon. He was the first uh, preteen I've ever had playing in one of my events. He was 11 um, and he won two of his three games. So he definitely took it seriously. He had a good time. He was playing. Um, he may have had a little uh, support from the people who played against him, but uh, everyone had a great time playing against him, so that was awesome. Uh, it's great to see some, uh, some fresh blood in there. Uh, his dad was also new to the scene and was playing. Uh, we also had uh, Best Painted. Um, now, that was player voted, and we had a very clear winner. Uh, Nick Beattie uh, won that. Uh, and again, his King Tiger list with all those converted infantry models and that paint job is just sensational. And um, yeah, people just (laughs) clearly voted that one for the best. Um, Now, there was Hobby Hero. Now, that was the TO determined one that was sort of best painted, best conversion, um, good theme, everything, sort of the total package. Um, And that one went to Tristan with um, the partisan forces we've been talking about in this event. Um, he's been painting that army for uh, old friend of the show, Jacob, um, in Sweden. Uh, and so, yep, that, he got that. While I breathe, do you guys want to say anything about any of the things I've listed so far? The armies look nice.
1: Yeah, I mean, they all look fantastic. I mean, you don't get you know a clear player vote winner without having something really nice. And you don't get sort of hobby hero without sort of putting a bit of a package together. Mm. You know, you've got to think about your theme, your lists, presentation, conversions. You know, Tristan had made a quite a nice little um, bombed-out house display yes. board with, you know, his partisans sort of hiding mm. out. Mm. And sort of, uh, was it Hetzer, I think he had coming he down did. the road? Yep. And, yeah, nice little sort of paddock forest thing on the side and, mm. you know, expect p- partisans
0: to just pop out of anywhere. Exactly. Just, just like that. they would normally do. Correct. So, yeah, it looks good. Yeah, quite liked it. Uh, now, we had a new player who came and got best sports. Um, it's a, my old buddy, Jermaine, um, who is, you know, a veteran of many game systems. Uh, but he came in and just, man, he was smiling and laughing the entire day. I don't think I've seen a man having so much fun playing any game uh, ever. But, man, it, that that was contagious uh, and everyone commented that played him. Just what an awesome guy! He's like the perfect guy you want coming to your events. And I was just happy he was there. He clearly won best sport. Um, everyone voted for him. But what I really liked was how many people got votes for best sport. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't like three guys got all the votes. Almost everyone in the event, it seemed, got a vote. It was. Pretty, well, I think like 20 of the players got a vote at least. Yeah, statistically, the yeah. player size, you're going to end up...
1: There was a couple of
0: it, twos, yeah. and then there was a three. Um, and so. But it was great to see that everyone had a good time. And unlike other events, um, I added something new. Um, just if someone had had a bad play experience, um, and it didn't come down to dice, um, I gave people the option to say, I had a terrible time playing this person, and tell me about it. Um, Because I was trying to, you know, make sure that that experience wasn't happening. And no one put that in at all. Everyone had a great time. uh, And as a TO, I couldn't be happier about that.
1: Yeah, I think the only time I heard raised voices was people lamenting their own (laughs) dice rolls more than anything. I think uh, it's a pretty chill community down here in Melbourne. We're not, no one's sort of sheep stationing it.
0: Exactly. Duh, so that, that was great. Well, that also then leaves um, the last couple of trophies before we get to the podium. One was best theme, um, which went to old friend of the show, uh, Muddy Funster, a.k.a. Pat, um, our old Polish friend who took a Polish list, go figure. Uh, but, I mean, sometimes Pat runs multiple units of Lancers, has some big artillery, um, you know, takes poles, but sometimes they have a little more teeth. Um, he really went out of his way to take max squads, um, regular bros. Went out of his way to have as nice an army as he could, and he walked away with best theme. Um, interestingly, bolt action badass, which is for people who play sort of bolt action hard mode, not necessarily you know that's tongue in cheek, sort of not taking all the optimized lists, not taking all the efficiencies. Um, that went to our old friend Ruben, um, who took an early war German list. But what was interesting was when I sent the lists off to be looked at, I narrowed them down and then I sent them to an impartial panel of people who weren't involved with the event at all. Both were up for the other one's award, but in the end, Pat got best theme and Ruben got Bolt action badass, but it could have easily gone either way. Although, as um, we jokingly said off air, the internet may have gotten uh, their jimmies rustled if uh, Polish Lancers walked away with best. Uh, what is it? Playing hard mode. But anyway,
1: it's only one unit.
0: So exactly, it's one unit in a list that is very themed um, intentionally. Well, let's let's get down to the podium then, shall we? Um, in third place, we had drum roll, please bad radio (laughs) no um, in third place we had Chris M coming all the way from Canberra he had a late war German list that was just gorgeous Um, and man he knows that list he's been playing it for years and you know he keeps adding and subtracting and you know toying and tinkering so it's not surprising that he did so well with that list he knew exactly what was going on and even though it was the 1111 points that man knew that list so yeah Got that second place went to old tournament. um, You know, badass. He seems to be on the podium in almost every event he plays in. Um, He hadn't been playing in the last couple, but it was good to have him back. Uh, You know, Greg Nickel, uh, we used to jokingly call him Angry Greg. He is the least angry person we know, um, which is why that's the case. I should clarify that. But he came second. Um, he took a German list. Now Greg sometimes takes lists that some people say, "Wow, that's tough." Uh, but his list was really reasonable. Um, it was a it was a very basic German list. Didn't take all the toys. Uh, I mean, it wasn't a pushover. It was put it was well put together. But I was really. I was really impressed with what he brought and how well he did with it. Um, he's just an exceptional player. He will just do well every time. Um, and then, of course, first place. Now, I, I did I did uh, say earlier on that uh, one of the guys in this room keeps winning things, and he, he may have also won something magical recently, but uh, that beautiful, handsome man in his beautiful, handsome beard, Lee... Tell us what it's like to to win Operation Bear.
1: It was great, Brad. Taking out the biggest Victorian event. Uh, ah. It's good. It's just my warm-up for uh, WinterCon. That's right. Three weeks in Canberra. So I think those guys just need to get prepped.
0: That's right. The A game's coming.
1: I'm, I'm just on fire at the moment, just gaming. I think, uh, as Brad just said, I uh, I casually play... Magic the Gathering, Uh, my partner, she plays it a hell of a lot more than I do. Mm -hmm. And I got dragged along to an event a few weeks ago um, because they were giving away some promo card that she wanted. She wanted Mm -hmm. two of them, so you need another bum on the seat. Mm -hmm. She told me it was three rounds and I could be, you know, go have some chicken wings for lunch. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll come along. Yeah. And I ended up uh, winning that after seven rounds of... Oh, wow. ...event. Uh, it was a long day. I wasn't prepared for it in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I took that out, and then I've taken the Operation Bear out yesterday. Nice. And, uh, Winter Con's next.
0: That's right, baby. Now, you, like Chris, you've been playing your list for years. Yep. Now, uh, you're very, very good with it, and you know it. I mean... Just the conversation that we had on the last podcast. If you haven't listened to this, if you're listening to this, guys, and you haven't listened to the previous one where Lee talks about his thinking behind the units in his army, it is obvious that A, Lee works with numbers for a living, and B, more to the point, he knows the ins and outs of that list like nothing else. Is it time to move on? It is. Yes! Now, you have been talking about this for a while. You've been hinting, and you've been picking up bits and pieces
1: I have. I had the final uh, box of parts arrive this week, actually from yes. Warlord uh, that I've been waiting for. It turns out it's been sitting at the post office for a week, and they never <laughs> uh, carded me when they couldn't deliver it. Uh, but fortunately, it's now in my hands, so I'm going to start on it once I clear a current project off my hobby desk. Nice. Uh, but I'm taking up uh, Easy Mode Americans. Oh, because you know burns. I'm looking for popularity. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, this actually, this idea was born out of some reading I'd done last year, mm-hmm. just sort of reading up about World War Two and different parts and, and bits and pieces. And then post CanCon this year, which is held in Canberra here in Australia. It's about mm-hmm. a eight hour drive from Canberra back to Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually do it in two parts. And uh, I was driving back with one of my good mates, Dan, mm-hmm. uh, who's also a bolt action player. And, we were just talking about lists and ideas and I won the Hannah, Hannah Swag Award mm-hmm. this year, which is for the best themed army. And it's I took the three units of eight um, paratroopers on yep. the well bikes and it was all modelled up. and all pretty nice. Uh, and I was driving back talking to Dan. I said I should try and go again for Hannah Swag next year. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing a bit more reading and I've got a particular American force that mm-hmm. I've done a bit of research mm-hmm. on. They're very uh, themy. It's very particular. Theater of the war. It's very yep. location based. It's very. Uh, it's a lot around modeling opportunity, painting opportunity mm-hmm. to, to make them stand out. Uh, and but the list, if you look at it, it people 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 are gonna think it's a bit bland. But that's I, I'm forced into that in a way.
0: Yeah, that and that's my gripe usually with the American list. I like ah, oh, it's the same thing again. But it's, uh, but it's the canvas that you can then paint your picture. Correct. Yeah. Are you going to talk about your theme, or are we saving that for another day? How yeah, we can talk
1: about the theme. So Hit us. What do you got?
0: Yep. I mean, because it's not the same stuff as everyone else was no, doing. This and is something new.
1: This was it. And this was, I think, the long drive home. We we're sitting there talking about what people had been taking and what we'd seen in the scene and what was something that hadn't been done. And the thing for me that hadn't been done was uh, the African-American Buffalo Soldiers. That's right. Um, so... Through my reading, I've been doing, and I've done a bit more since, uh, basically they had a a company that got deployed into Italy Mm -hmm. in uh, 44, late 44, and fought through until sort of mid-45. They were the only fully segregated uh, units that were deployed to frontline combat in World War II. So in the Pacific, we saw integrated units. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly in Europe, they had uh, support units, artillery Mm -hmm. units, and things like that, but this was the only frontline combat. So, I'm basically going to do an Italian-based uh, Buffalo Soldiers Force. Nice. Um, so, basic list that I've sort of sketched out. LT, mm-hmm. four squads of 10 to 12 bros. Um, using the, I think it's a Road to Rome mm-hmm. uh, list. So, you can only take mid-war units. So, you know, single bar in each squad. So, it's not yep. going to be pumping out heaps of firepower or anything. Uh, so, four squads there. Two bazooka squads is mm-hmm. part of the theatre list. So I'll do those up, and cool. um, so and that's part of I've in the research I've done, look for photos, things like that. There's no photos of snipers; they're not seen with AT guns. You know, right. they're very much a rifle company with some support. Mm-hmm. Uh, medium mortars, something else. There's photos of them in action using nice. So I've put a medium mortar in, uh, and then the other thing when they first got deployed was they were attached to First Armored Corps. Nice. So I'm going to have a Sherman in there as well.
0: Awesome, man. That sounds like a, as you say, if you describe it like that, it sounds a little bland until you start explaining the history behind it and then I'm sure, having seen your Airborne, you're going to put some hobby in that and that is going to come out singing.
1: Yeah, so I've the Buffalo Soldiers box from Warlords uh, basically the old American plastic kit Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a bunch of metal components in there. So there's yeah. a range of African-American heads mm-hmm. in metal. Uh, there's a couple of uh, special bodies in mm-hmm. there and a couple of little parts. So opportunity there to convert, have the different heads. So I'll be able to head swap onto the mortar team uh, and then obviously a few other options. And then I've picked up the new plastic box set that as was well. next question. Are you so going to kit bash? I'm going to kit bash through. So expect Amazing. to see a lot of guys... A lot of pouches, backpacks, kitted out for a campaign. Beautiful. Um, and then, obviously, basing, going to theme it around, so the mountains of Italy. Mm-hmm. So And then, obviously, a display board to go along with that as well.
0: Ooh, I'm excited, man. So you're going to get it all done by CanCon?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's six months away. It's heaps of hobby time. That
0: would take me years, man, but I'm looking forward to seeing it.
1: Yeah, should be good. Yeah,
0: man. Well, as you build it up, uh, let's get some games. Let's test that puppy out.
1: Of course, we will. I will need to test it. And uh, The other thing is it's it's all regs. So, yeah. no vets, I'm going to have to throw away my veteran crutch. Yeah, that's and, right. And uh, take off my bolt-action hobby hobby wheels. That's right. And, uh, yeah, see how that sort of fares. But I think the base list came in at 12 dice, mm-hmm. I think, as well, which I'm, like, running 12 dice vet lists, but yeah. then I'm running a 12 dice Regular. reg list, and mm-hmm. I'm like, what have I done wrong here? Uh, yeah. But I think the points, the Sherman's soaking up a, such a chunk of
0: points. Yeah. Welcome to my world of regulars. Sorry.
2: Yeah, I was saying you you mentioned the list to me earlier today, and uh, you've got a couple of squads at full full strength, and that will that, be taking points. Although they'll be, um, you know, numbers matter sometimes and can be handy. Absolutely. So they're not bad choices, but there's points there. Definitely.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where the play testing will come in. So, I spoke about in the last podcast, actually brought around my VET unit sizes mm-hmm. and sort of optimals and I've played around, I run the VETs at units of 8s generally, i mm-hmm. played around with 6s and 7s and 9s and that sort of thing and settled on 8s, so I think. And my view has always been regs at 10 and experience at 12, just to you absorb yeah. some casualties. So, running 3 units at 12 and 1 at 10, I think it'll be I'd sort of taking advantage of that morale ability, but I think, uh, you know, once you take a casualty, see you later to that. So, is it really going to be worth that sort of thing? Or am I better off taking units of 10? Mm -hmm. And then, but then it's like, okay, well, it's six extra bodies. Maybe I tweak it round eight with five squads instead of four. Or, Mm -hmm. because there's not really within that theater list an option to take anything else, really. By the time you take a mortar, two bazookas, that sort of fills up your zero one slots. Mm -hmm. Maybe an armored car or something. But then again, it comes down to what's available.
2: Oh, I'm also working on some Americans, but they, they yeah. won't be any at risk of winning any hobby awards, but, um, <laughs> <Come> on, <man. laughs> I do enjoy slapping paint down, but, um, uh, your Americans look great. You've been posting pictures of them. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's amazing little lens and post-op work on the, on the photo. <laughs> Please. But, uh, no, I am happy with how they're coming up, but uh, I was intrigued by, um, I, I hadn't seen anyone doing it was getting, um, multiple MMG slots and using those up. Have you been tempted yeah. to do multiple, uh, get 30 cals on the table?
1: No, I. I <laughs> <laughs> the
0: honesty, no. I've, got, I've no. got a
1: very simple reason for that. Uh, actually, a couple of simple reasons. One is mortars. Another is snipers. I think that they just get picked out too easy. I used to run uh, MMG with my paratroops at the early on. I just found they're just sniper magnets. It's. I'd rather my opponent just ping a dude out of a squad. Then take out my 50 point MMG. The other thing is, I suppose when I started playing with them, though, there uh, was version one. So you had to put yeah. them in place. If you wanted to move them, you couldn't shoot. Yeah. Now at least you can pivot and take exactly. a movement uh, shot penalty. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a bit more useful. I yeah. may have to start playing around with that.
0: Now, I still take MMGs. I, I stopped for a little while and I'm taking them again because they are sniper bait. Um I take. I like to have uh, an MMG for that extra squad if I'm running one platoon so I get that extra firepower um, that I can move up if I need to get to an objective or whatnot. But I like snipers to shoot at them, and I usually have a sniper next to my or near to my MMG. So if I'm sort of countering their deployment with my own, and then it means that they're shooting at that, they're not shooting at something else that I need to get where I need to go. I look at MMGs as nice support, but very disposable um so 50 points i don't mind putting it down uh especially in the german list which i've been running a lot of recently where you get that extra dice and you just go yeah okay uh i'm going down or yeah i'm on it
2: yeah i, I i've i been playing germans now exclusively for the four years yeah that's um, right uh, but um i this first list i've taken without an mmg um not because i really rate them i think the weaknesses that you Pointed out, and that although they can be really handy, mm. um, uh, it just feels so iconic to me. It just like the, yeah. the particularly for the Germans, the the squad support and that the fixed support weapon mm-hmm. was just part of what
0: they add. So I just always deploy it, whether it's inefficient or not. I like the ability to reach out just that little bit further and put that pin out. I mean, you're not going to do a ton of damage with an MMG at range. Um, but man, it, you can catch people backfooted, especially if they're not used to facing MMGs. If they're moving between buildings and whatnot, but yep, all right, I'm going to push shot out on them. Sure, I may kill one guy, but that's a pin, and then that means that they have to—they might fail that test and back up. It happens a lot. Bolt action happens. So if you force someone to take a test, sure they might pass, but you're—you're—you're you're, you're creating the opportunity for them to fail, um, and. I like snipers for the same reason, not because I'm going to go plinking things off, but I feel less dirty taking a sniper in some list than an MMG.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, I think it's just a trade-off. I think um, Definitely. the key thing is going to be that playtesting and then seeing what works for me and, and totally. my playstyle. Totally. And then what do I need to tweak and adjust? I may find that I need more dice into the list, or I may find that the squads are too big, and I'm you know they're just taking lots of casualties, and I can't hide them or totally whatever. So I think that's going to be the learning curve for me, and that's that's what I need a, a new step. Who knows? Another two three years, maybe I'll try an inexperienced army. That could be the third one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll see where we go.
0: Right on, man. Well, I, I love that it's going to be something different because I I can I know of someone who started a Buffalo Soldier army and never finished it. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing yours done i just think it's going to be awesome yeah.
1: once i get in a hobby role i'm usually pretty pretty quick to get some stuff up and running so yeah it's going to be the the key focus in a, probably next couple of weeks i'll kick it off it's going to be awesome man
0: it's going to be awesome looking forward to seeing uh, the uh, the hobby progress and seeing those on the table dave you are looking at doing something Sort of similar, but different. As you mentioned, you're getting into the Americans. Um, how is your American building process going? Because you've been posting progress pictures for the last couple of weeks, and they are looking sweet.
2: Yes, it's, it's always um, nice when you're between jobs. You get a lot of hobby done, I find. Ah, um, those of us that drop in and out of the, wor- in and out of the workforce. But, uh, yeah, so took the plastic wrapper off a box of Crusader uh, U.S. infantry mm-hmm. that I've had from before Bolt Action got launched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Great thing about <laughs> World War II models, they don't go
2: out of date. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought Yeah you guys You actually need some love um, And primarily They're for K47 mm-hmm. um, I get some bodies On the table To support the weird guys And get a, a, a Legal list mm-hmm. But I do have Enough bodies And through various events uh, You know You keep coming home With plastic crack And I realise mm-hmm. Gee I've got an armor cow I've got a couple of sherbets, I've got a list here Yeah you do So um, yeah So as well as Painting I have been Assembling some tanks Nice And uh, And uh, Picking up a few bits and pieces in the support slot, so I'll I'll have a a fairly generic looking platoon for the US that I think, and, and I've got Italy in mind as well because my Germans were are really themed around uh, the Italian list. The sorts of choices I've made mm-hmm. uh, fit that defensive um, uh, the Gothic line and the the middle of middle of Italy there around Monte Cassino, uh, and so yeah, have the US forces. Uh, I'm thinking more of the Anzio beachhead actually, and the breakout from there. Um, so a mix of. Um, uh, mix of regulars and inexperience mm-hmm. just for the hell of it because I don't have experience with the Germans. Right. Um, and the Anzio Beachhead selector gives you the option because they were there uh, as some paratroopers oh, who didn't nice. drop in, but they were on the ground. Um, uh, and they, they they were given some tough gigs, I think, um, similar to Pontahoc cool. uh, in Normandy, I think, but in, uh, in Anzio where they were climbing steep cliffs and trying to dig out some um, right. guns up on the cliffs. Oh, that's nice. Awesome. Like that. Yeah, so so it'll be a nice mixed list as well with a little bit of everything.
0: Nice. Now you have recently inherited a couple of the uh, new plastic warlord ones as well. Um, do you think those will blend in nicely with your crusader models?
2: I'm hoping they will. I, I found on the German side that they mixed in well, mm-hmm. and I think for size, certainly the the size is quite similar. Nice. And they both they're both reasonably. Chunky, sort of at the yeah. Hollywood end of the scale. Exactly. So, so I think at arm's length, it'll be pretty hard to tell the difference. That the biggest thing is be plastic and metal. Yeah. But you know, again, once all the paint's on, can't mm, tell. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think that'll be a problem. So it'll be. I'll end up with a mix of Crusader, Crusader, Artisan, Black Tree Design, and the and the new Warlord plastic. So I think it'll be it'd be a nice, um, it'd be a nice looking
0: army because it'll be a little bit different. Exactly. And with so many, my original German army is a bit like that. I have literally all the, the companies you just listed, I have models from them and they do blend well together. So by doing that though, you're not getting the same six variations of the same guy over and over and over again. You get that variety, which makes for a really awesome looking army on the tabletop.
2: Yeah. I've been enjoying, um, Painting metal just because um, by the time you give it a scrub and you're ready to go, there's less mm-hmm. prep, so that's fun. But you can end up with a, a quite Napoleonic kind
0: of everybody's yeah, shooting, yeah, everybody's exactly. marching,
2: <laughs> yeah, parade ground look.
0: Lee's modeling this in the background. <laughs> Very handsome. <Yeah>. Love it.
2: <laughs> so
0: so the multiple manufacturers certainly gives you that opportunity to get multiple poses. Absolutely. and it, Yeah, and you get a few guys who are kneeling and then you get a couple guys who are running and it just really... It gives you... I don't know. As a kid, I love playing with the little green army men. But again, there were six poses. Um, as as an adult, if I can get more than ten poses in my force, I'll do that. That's fantastic. So, yeah. And it, you're running this list. So, as you say, early Italy. But then you can then port it over to K-47, even though it's early, sort of earlier in the war. I guess I, I, I think is.
2: partly because... For k-47 I'm just really not worried that your uniforms will be a little bit wrong yeah exactly um, and then I've I've got a, a mud skipper yes um, I've got some so flying good. flying paratroopers mm-hmm. um, uh, and so it'll be a much more mobile force I'll leave the Sherman yeah. at home and I'll take um, uh, take take the mud skipper I'll take armored car mm-hmm. um, it, it'll just be more mobile force and then I'll yeah. put some dudes in a half track so it'll be kind of a, a recon unit mm-hmm. sort of thing in the k-47 world and totally. so i think that it will it will be a better list for k-47 than it will be for bold action yeah but um you know if you need to get u.s dudes to invade berlin
0: for example um the, they'll be available <laughs> yeah absolutely and uh, that's a nice segue to something that we had to rush through in the last episode why would we be talking about berlin lee
1: so I'm, I'm running uh, the next event here in Melbourne, which is going to be late August. I think it's Saturday the 25th. Yes. Or 24th? I think it's the 25th. It's the last Saturday in August anyway. Um, what I'm doing is running a, I suppose, a more of a campaign theme day rather than sort of, I suppose, a competitive uh, tournament environment. You know, there's not going to be sort of Swiss matching, if you will. Uh, players are effectively going to be split up into... Two sides, so uh, Germans on one side. So I'm looking for 24 players, 12 Germans, and then looking to have uh, six Russians and then six British slash Americans. Effectively want to run Market Garden on one half and Bagration on the other. So effectively trying to replicate those two uh, campaigns Mm -hmm. from either side of the wall. So effectively Germany stuck in the middle. Uh, being attacked from two sides by the, the two different groups. So, yeah, trying to replicate that, looking at having uh, variable points games. So I want players to make a 800-point, 1,000-point, and a 1,200-point list. Mm-hmm. Uh, effectively, we're going to start a first round, looking at three games for the day. First round will be 1,000 points. For those that win, they'll move up into a 1,200-point game mm-hmm. for the next round. Those that lose will move down to an 800-point game obviously haven't uh, performed well you get less resources you get shoved out to the flanks uh, now the, the bits are sort of going to add a bit more atmosphere to the thing for the day will be I've actually got maps of the market mm-hmm. garden campaign and the bagration campaign so have some little small scale tokens for different forces so people nice. can actually try and capture territory so they'll sort of see the lines of battle move through the day and uh, see who comes out victorious so there's not going to be an overall winner. Uh, obviously, there'll be some well-performing Germans, some well-performing Russians, mm-hmm. well-performing allies. So, you know, base some awards around that. Uh, we're going to have a barbecue during the day. The venue we're having at a Bowls Club. They've got a barbecue there, so we're going to provide lunch as part of the package. That's right. Uh, but, yeah, really just looking to have sort of three thing, three games that have a theme behind them and have a purpose and mm-hmm. players will be able to sit there and see what the outcomes are as we go along. So, it's awesome. not just sort of rolling dice and hopefully avoid, you know... Russian Siberians fighting against yeah. you know German DAC on a Pacific table. So trying what do to you mean? Terrain. That's total historical. Very historical. Probably in the K forty seven universe, but uh, <laughs>
0: uh, sticking no. to our
1: late forty four universe. I'm trying to replicate. Yeah, uh, looking at that kind of um, setup. So
0: nice. Are you finding? It sounds like a lot of people are really interested.
1: Yeah, it's certainly got uh, getting a lot of sort of direct messages from people. Can I take this force, mm-hmm. that force? I sort of put out there, I'd like people to take uh, theatre lists yeah. for the relevant theatres where possible. There's certainly quite a few options there. Yeah. Or just take a generic platoon from the relevant uh, force. Uh, the hard part's going to be trying to balancing up having sufficient Germans, Russians and allies. Yeah. Um, between the sort of, I suppose, the hobby group here in Melbourne, there's, there's a few people with multiple armies. A couple of yeah. people already said they're happy to share around. Mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody wants to play British paratroopers... Like got three thousand points for you to choose from. You know, yeah. probably do two or three people to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you know, we, we've got sort of plenty of options there. Uh, I've got a little idea. I've been mulling around as well around something else to include as part of the day. Uh, I haven't uh, quite got it locked down. Once I do have some details, I'll he, announce them. He's
0: making a hand gesture, but I'm not allowed to describe what it is. So uh, you'll have to use your imagination on what he could be. It's a PC, you on the family
1: day. friendly. Gesture.
0: I don't, yeah, sorry. I, I wasn't trying to anyway, insinuate <laughs> anyway, the other way, but uh, it's uh, definitely something. Yeah, fun. I think
1: it'll add something, something that certainly hasn't been done in events nice. that we've seen here in, or uh, well, that I'm aware of in Australia. Certainly, mm-hmm. definitely not been done in um, Victoria, and I don't think it's been done at CanCon or anything like that either. Sweet. Um, so if I can get, to, I suppose, get it all come together, it should be an, an extra good little bit. Nice. Um, so, yeah, just to add, again, adding another flavor to the day and another mm. sort of thing. So, it's more of a participation, enjoyment kind of event Yeah. Um, than, you know, sort of being ultra competitive.
0: Trying to kick someone's teeth in over a tabletop.
1: Well, you know, you still want your side to win. Yeah, exactly. So, it'll be interesting to see where things end up. Or are we going to end up at a bit of a stalemate?
0: Mm-hmm. Or uh,
1: is one force going to push through and get to Germany early?
0: Now, okay, if people want to register for this, because having just had an event that's sold out in like 20 minutes, how are the, when is it opening? He says, <laughs> the, watching Lee's face wins. Uh, when is it opening and how can people register for this? Or can, how can they find out information?
1: So the best way to get information is the Victorian Bolt Action League Facebook group, mm-hmm. VBAL. Um, so if you join that, uh, we've got the event. Posted up in there, yep, along with information. Uh, actual payments, we'll probably open them up later this week. We're waiting until post op bear. Mm-hmm. I don't like crowding other people's events, thank you. So, I was waiting until uh, this event yesterday was over before mm-hmm. we start moving on to the next one. So, nice. still eight weeks away, so you've got a bit of time, exactly. Put it in your diaries, uh, have a think about what sort of force you want to bring. Mm-hmm. Want to try and get the balance. I've certainly had a few people approach me with, Hey, Lee, I've got Germans and I've got Americans, which one do you need me to play? Yeah, and I'm like. Let's just see where people come out. I I have put a poll up for people to put what they're likely to bring so we can get sort of a bit of a gauge on Mm -hmm. likely forces and where we need to balance things up. But I think that's a tricky logistical part of it. He's yeah. trying to get that right balance so yeah. we can have sort of a bit more historical matchups
0: agreed and i uh, i I couldn't help from a, very, a purely selfish point I was like oh, I know all about market garden at least I know a fair bit. I know very little about Bagration and then I started researching then I looked at the dates and I was like, you bastard because all of my forces that are fall into that neck of the woods from you know germ be them Germans, be them uh Soviets be them any you know anything allied wise all winter bagration and market garden and like summer slash fall you jerk Yeah, summer and um and it's
2: the start of the late war stuff for the russians i mean it, it's, it is you know they, they've got the resources rolling now their factories mm-hmm. are working again and and uh it's the motorized guards lists and yeah.
0: things it's, minor it's weight
1: got to get it, it is warm it up get some board shorts out and off you go <laughs>
0: Exactly. Uh, I do have. uh, So going back to something you said earlier, um, you were talking about sort of bucking the meta and doing an all infantry list. And after grief uh, not after grief, after Operation Heavy, um, I had already started collecting models for this. But then I bought the rest of because Warlord had that awesome sale of buy three or buy two boxes of um, Soviet infantry and get a third box or something like that way back when. Uh, so I now have almost 90 Soviet sailors that I would. I remember that order, yeah. posting oh, yeah. picture about that one. Yeah. Yes, I did. And so I'm looking at it going, hmm, hello. Uh, do I put 90 infantry regular models on a board? I mean, clearly there'd be some in free inexperience in there to get the 90, but. You got could, eight weeks. Could be fun. Uh, I'm on school holidays, mister. I, I I, get to paint things because I don't have a job. Well, I'm on, Me too. I've got a Russian list in the cupboard too, Ooh. but there's no way I'd get that many men's
2: painted yeah. in two months. Just not going to happen to any standard. Yeah. I'm
0: I'm probably not going to do that because that would kill me.
1: I, I may that. have picked up the uh, box of Russian plastics yesterday <laughs> as my prize off the table. Awesome. With no intention of doing Russians.
0: Yeah, that oh, that definitely happens. We we need a painting gulag to get our Russians. Going. <laughs> exactly. Well that's the thing. We should just, you know, once a week get together, crack the whip, everyone paint some Soviets.
1: Oh, form a production line. That's Just, <laughs> you're on boots you're on gaiters, you're on butts uh, rifle butts That's let's go <laughs>
0: oh, hey family friendly wooden stocks, wooden stocks wooden stocks wooden stocks yeah uh well I, actually that does and i should mention and i've mentioned it before but it definitely bears mentioning again um the prize table yesterday was incredible um short of CanCon, it was the most impressive prize support i've seen in an event and i'm not saying that because i ran it um it wa- War and Peace Games came out swinging. They oh, they sent such a huge box of toys to give away. Um, Warlord Games sent a ton of stuff. And then pl- that just meant that player money could be used. So I, I had everyone, I bought everyone a, I had a, a custom laser cut objective marker with a bear head on it saying Operation Bear and the, the date of the event that I gave to everyone who played. Um, I had that made. Um, and then of course made the trophies, but... It just meant that there was so much money left over that I was able to buy a ton of stuff off the shelf here at Good Games because um, they have a great selection. And it was just, it was crazy. The amount that I was handing out was just sensational. And then Rubes, the man, got donated an entire Blood Red Sky package, the Battle of Berlin package, um, to anyone and I was like well we could give that away as a prize or we could do a random draw and he was like yeah whatever you want man he was just like yeah I, I want to share this with the community so generous and so uh, we did an extra drawing for that and it just it was awesome to see you know we gave out nine trophies we gave out a ton of prizes uh, people tw- paid 20 bucks and they got to hang out with their friends play some games and then they got to wait, walk away with like 40 or if not more dollars worth of swag so uh, yeah man I love this scene this is great stuff
1: Yeah, I I think it's the support we're getting from the local um, distributors. You know, War and Peace Games, Mm -hmm. Uh, Ian and John are really great. And I always make sure I have a chat to them whenever I'm at CanCon or WinterCon, just because they're usually there. Uh, And then, yeah, good games locally here has been really good for us as well. Um, Particularly on a Sunday, packing their store out uh, with 15 gaming tables. There was uh, very little space left for their other regular Mm -hmm. customers and, and gamers, so... Very generous of them.
0: Yeah, it was awesome. And so many people walked in and just, you know, whoa, what is this? Uh, And a couple guys um, heard about the event, um, either through this podcast or saw it on Facebook, and came to check it out. And there was a couple guys who, like Sean, were just like, so tell me about this ball action game. I understand it's by Rick Priestley and Alessio. I understand... Um, it's kind of, people have likened it to like 40 K third edition. And I was like, look, that's a very, <laughs> that's a very simple view of this. Let, let, let's talk through this a little bit. Um, and they're like, well, okay, what he, what would I need to get an army? And it was like, well, if we took a look at this prize table, I can tell you, you would need this and this and this, and then you're done. And they're like, well, how much would that be? And you, you tell them and people who are used to games workshop prices, they look at that and they say, I'm sorry, what? Like that's one box of troops for an entire army. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, Welcome to bold action. It's great. Um, they're just like, but but what's the quality like? And I was like, well, especially with the newest uh plastics and the newest resins, they're amazing. I mean, just
1: go for a walk around, look at the tables. Yeah,
0: see, and it's, yeah, it's and that was here. the next thing. And then with the just with the high quality of terrain, uh, and the high quality of painting for the event, I said, yeah, go take a look around, man, go check this out. Um, and I cannot go past um, the huge support we got from another local. Uh, manufacturer. Fantastic. He's been on the show recently. Viv from Knights of Dice. Now, I use Knights of Dice terrain on a lot of my tables. Um, I provided six tables of terrain for this event, but so did Viv. Viv showed up, drove the van, delivered six full tables of Knights of Dice pro painted terrain from their own collection. It was so generous, and literally the event could not have happened without that support. And man, like my stuff, look. My, his stuff looks great, and when I paint it and I put it on the table, it looks it looks great. When he paints it and puts it on the table, next level, so good. Yeah, his stuff looks really good, and, and one of the things I, I like about the Knights of Dice is
2: Viv and Scott, they're gamers themselves. Yes, so they make practical pieces. Right, you can get your hand into the floors mm-hmm. uh, to to move troops about. You know, the, the, it's those little things that make it uh, really. They're not just pretty, they're, they're, they're good gaming pieces. And they're
0: durable. You're not going to like kick a corner in or like, oh, I broke the the roof off again. No, it's, I have, so I made the Tabula Rasa, they're, they're cheapest of the cheap range. I bought six of their um, houses for a ridiculous price. I think it was like six full houses. For, I, I can't even remember. It was like 90 bucks, 80 yeah, bucks. Yeah, they retail for less than 20 bucks each. Yeah. And I bought, so, and then I did them. And I've used them in multiple events now, and they are in mint condition. They are in some of the best condition of my terrain at the moment. And I'm looking at it going, man, that's great quality. And And that's the cheap stuff. Yep.
2: And uh, an aspect of that MDF MDF terrain that I I only just realized recently, see, it's nice and thin when you buy it. It's easy to sneak it into your house. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. What do you mean? Oh, that old
2: thing is been down the back for a while. I just found it in the cupboard.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right.
1: Yeah. Why's it got the twenty eighteen designed and manufactured label on the bottom? That's the question.
0: (laughs) Don't cut. Yeah. Oh man. And um, when you order from them, man, they they comes really quick. Especially, I mean, look, it's obvious they're in Melbourne, so we get the stuff before anyone else. But it's yeah, it's just so good.
1: It's about a forty five minute bike ride. If you're interested, I've been out on the bike.
0: If you're in Melbourne City Center. Yep. Like we are, which is great. Did you want to say something, Dave? Uh, it's just around the corner from my daughter's house. So oh, it's, it's only an um, eight-minute bus ride. It's <laughs> oh, awesome, man. And and he's in all the local shops, too. So I buy mine from the local friendly game store, and I just walk in, pick up a handful, and walk out, and it's easy as. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward because uh, yesterday Viv was dropping that there's a whole bunch of new Tabla Rasa stuff coming, and part of that is a new set of Pacific terrain. And he's gonna do add to their World War Two terrain with an entire new um sloth, uh, you know, swath of World War Two Pacific buildings, which is just gonna be awesome. adding to what they already have because uh I've been talking with a lot of the new guys, um, like the the guys who came over from Malifo and other game systems, so the the Jermaines, the Pips, the Nick Beatties, um all those guys. Uh, Tony, and we're all looking at it, and we're all going, ooh, Pacific. Ooh, possibly Conflict 47. Ooh, Conflict 47 Pacific. And so um, there's going to be – I think there's going to be a swath of uh, new Pacific armies coming soon, which has kind of got my jimmies rustling um, because I uh, – I I may have... Uh... So, okay. A couple months ago, I so we've all talked about what we're doing next. This is what I'm thinking. So, a couple months ago, I flew home. And when, right the night before I flew out, I got this really crazy idea to convert Japanese paratroopers using the Warlord Plastics. And I posted a bunch of pictures of it on... The Facebook page for this podcast and I got really excited about it and then I flew a really long way and I read a lot of great books because I took pictures of all the text I had on it, um, put it on my iPad and I did a ton of research on the plane and then I slept on it, woke up in the States and was like, yeah, this is going to be great. And I ordered um, a box of Japanese to arrive back in Melbourne while I was away and I was like, yeah, this is I'm ready to go. And then I spent two weeks in Boston preparing for my sister's wedding, um, having a great time, but it, it ground the life out of me a little bit. And then I came back and I had all the Star Wars Legion stuff sitting in my house that Patch had painted that I really needed to base and get on the table. And was like, okay, uh, the, I'll do the Japanese paratrooper thing another time. And it just went on the shelf. But walking around yesterday, I went, yeah, okay. This, this is the thing. Let's, let's talk about this. So, Lee... Mr. Paratrooper Man, let's talk shop, shall we? So what is the the thing in bolt action that makes paratroopers paratroopers? What's the big rule? I'd say stubborn. That is correct. So that means paratroopers typically cost, what, 14 points? Yeah. Yeah, 14 points a pop. Now, Japanese paratroopers are early in the game, so they would have still been around at that point, so they could have gotten stubborn, but they don't. Because the Japanese special rules have fanatic built in. So they don't get stubborn. So they're 13 points a model. And I'm looking at that going, all right, so I can do a veteran force. Now, I never do veteran armies other than the Sahariana. So I'm looking at this going, a veteran infantry force of bros running around Um. They're an interesting choice because, as as I say, the 13 points model. um, You can take so five to ten guys in a squad. 13 points a pop. Um, You can take if you take them as naval paratroopers, which I'm not. You can go up to seven points. Sorry, uh, an additional seven guys. So it goes up to 12. Um, But in both squads. The NCO and up to two guys can have submachine guns. So it's a maximum of three submachine guns per squad. Um, You can take a light machine gun um, and or you can take anti-tank grenades as usual. Uh, Now, that is very different from a lot of other paratrooper lists. Usually you can festoon them with SMGs um, and you can drown them in stubborn, and you get all sorts of special rules. These are fairly boring and basic. However, paratroopers... I mean, one thing the Japanese list does not have unless you're running um, cavalry without cavalry um, is tough fighter. You can't give Japanese tough fighter. It it kind of fundamentally breaks their rules. Um, which is, I think, one of the reasons why you can't deck the squad out with SMGs. It would make them kind of broken AF. But I'm looking at a particular um, formation of Japanese paratroopers that were sent in at the very end of the war to disrupt um, an airfield that was bombing um, the home islands. And so they were actually glider dropped. They weren't actually drop dropped. So they're not wearing paratrooper costumes They're actually or outfits. They're wearing uniforms of sort of Japanese, regular Japanese uniforms at that point. But... They dyed their own and they stained their own uniforms, much like the Marine Raiders did at Macon Island. They stained them different colors. So there were like dark green uniforms with black, giant black splotches all over them. So they're kind of camouflaged. And as they dropped in, almost all of the planes were shot out of the sky and were destroyed. And one plane landed. And that one plane of guys or glider of guys caused all kinds of havoc in the dark. And I just found that was fascinating. They knew it was a suicide mission. They had no extraction plans. Their whole point was to try and save the home islands. Now, I'm looking at that going, now, this could be a really interesting historical force, especially as a what-if. But they had very limited weapons. So, no AT, no tank support. Um, But what they did, they were suicide troopers. So, I wouldn't have... Normally, I'm like, eh, do I take suicide AT? Eh." I would have no problems taking it in this list. So, maybe... Um, looking at what they actually had, so maybe a couple medium machine guns, a light mortar, because they had those. Um, you know, take some squads with some SMGs. What are we thinking? Can you take those support squads as vets? Yes, you definitely can. Good question. Um, does this sound like an army? Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting all, I'm getting all hobby excited. But then I'm like, if I put this on the table, is this going to be silly?
1: Yeah, I think it comes down to points values. I think you'll find a 1,000 points, a tank can cause your problems. Yeah. The bigger problem will be HE. So if someone's got a tank with a yeah. howitzer on it or they've got a medium artillery or something, it it can cause you big damage to your squads. Mm-hmm. And without having stubborn, you're more likely to take pins and break and go. So fanatics helps you out.
0: Yeah, fanatics that. makes you pass that, other yeah. than when you get down to the, the last one, guy.
1: Yeah, so you'll be able to kick through a fair bit. Uh yeah, suicide AT, you could, hey, improvised AT, they grab something nearby, mm-hmm. mortar shells or whatever, and bonsai. Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably, it's certainly feasible. Fully yeah. foot troops, you know, I barely run vehicles at all, so from a paratroop point of view. That's cool. um. At the end of the day, it's still veterans.
0: Yeah. Still going to be fires to kill. That's They're right.
1: Still got a, a fair bit of options there.
0: One in three guys um, who were deployed by glider had a AT lunge mine. Um, because they were just gonna destroy as many planes as they could. So I don't have any problems running a bunch of guys with a and a- suicide AT guys. Maybe run two platoons, um, to get a couple of mortars, get a couple of uh, machine guns, and get you know maybe four or five suicide suicide AT guys and maybe like five or six squads of dudes. Could um, you squeeze a light howitzer into one of those gliders you probably could um, the, especially the small pea shooter ones um, that were used like the mountain guns um, could have been deployed like that um, but in the in the actual the list that I've been looking at in historically they didn't have those um, they had the machine guns they had the mortars but even then they were just knee mortars um, so yeah it's yeah. interesting
1: I, I think yeah it certainly works as a list at a thousand points. Um, mm-hmm. the two platoons you're gonna take a, a you know LT tax on the mm-hmm. second one. Uh, that can sort of add a bit because you're you're paying vets. You're looking at yeah. seventy, eighty points, ninety points, depending on what you, how many you're taking. Um, so you might want to look at single man LTS not taking a, yeah. a shield bro with them. I think you'll find that you'll chew up a lot of points pretty quick. Yeah, uh, four or five squads. You're going to be looking at six hundred points straight up there. Yeah. So you know if you can get four squads in minimum,
0: mm-hmm.
1: across two platoons. Uh, so you know two and two. Yeah. LT each, and yeah, two mortars, two machine guns and some AT, you'd probably be uh I think you'd be hitting a thousand pretty quick with vets.
0: Yeah. Um I alternatively I had thought about doing one platoon, um, taking five squads. And normally I would take maybe seven vets um in a squad if I was gonna take vets as sort of the magic number for me. Uh but after talking to you in the last episode, that got me thinking, what if I take some bigger ones? And so, you know, Maybe takes take squads of eight or nine guys because they were typically deployed in um, groups of three. They had three man teams. Now there is a paratrooper selector, um, but it isn't a. Um, it doesn't match the conflict that I'm looking at. It does kind of fit, um, but these guys are absolutely wearing paratrooper outfits, and uh, my guys won't be. I'm just going to use the plastic Warlord ones. But uh, anyway, it will involve uh, me trying to find a lot of SMG model, you know, arms and more capped heads and a lot of backpacks and a lot of green stuff. So not sure if I'm up for this project entirely, but uh, it is the, you know, the first real day of school holidays. Uh, Operation Bears terrain is now packed up and that is all done. My reports are written. And so tomorrow... uh, you know, tomorrow's a, a brand new day. We'll see what I feel like when I get out of bed, I suppose. Um but anyway, uh guys, anything you would like to say before we wrap up.
2: Um I guess I um Operation Bear was good fun and looking forward to booking some time to make the next event happen. So it's nice to have them scattered through the year. It keeps the hobby hobby ideas flowing and the and the momentum up. It's good good to get games in.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that now that we're having events more often than every three months, it really does build that momentum Um, and just getting need to get some more friendlies on the go and just get some play some of those fun games with some lists and just play around because I'm especially in the last couple of months, especially with everything that's been happening. I haven't necessarily been digging into, I don't know, um, just experimenting like I used to. And I think I need to get into more of that again. Yeah, I agree it'd be nice to um some of those
2: um scenarios in the in the theater books and stuff that are going around that, that you tend not to be able to do in the matched match games so much.
0: Yeah. And the other thing I suppose is I, I keep threatening this, but on this school holiday, I've downloaded the software. I'm just figuring out how to use the um the streaming. So I would like to start streaming bolt action games uh and recording them on YouTube and so people can see what we're on about. Um, I know that some, especially, and I, I'm looking directly at Alistair, our good buddy in Scotland. Um, I put up pictures of, for, uh, some of the tables that are bare and one of them was half there because Viv was contributing buildings to a desert table and they hadn't arrived yet when I took the picture. Um, and he was like, Oh, this table looks awfully bare. And they often talk about, um, in Scotland, how Melbourne doesn't necessarily use enough terrain. And that's why we take softer lists, um, yeah, I don't think that's the case. And I'm looking forward to taking some videos and showing people exactly how we do play, um, so to speak, and sort of saying this is how we roll. I don't know. Lee, what do you think?
1: I think we've got lots of terrain. I yeah. find um most of our tables have a have a good density. Um bolt action's a lot more terrain dense than things like Warhammer or Oh yeah. Um 40k or even uh, War Machine, which I play as well. We mm-hmm. use a much lighter terrain density on that. Although it's a 4x4 four four table, not a 6x4, but still. Uh, but still, yeah, yeah it's it's not designed to be a heavy terrained game system. Whereas right. Bolt Action is very much around having cover, blocking line of sight. Directing your fire Blocking off fire channels That Mm -hmm. sort of thing So I think that's what adds The tactical complexity To bolt action Um, Agreed Whereas something like War Machine The the complexity in tactics Is really around Stacking your combos Mm -hmm. So that's the sort of Comparison between the two games You don't need terrain In that system To do the cool stuff Whereas bolt action's really around using your terrain to get up close to maybe launch assaults mm-hmm. or using terrain and having firefights across the table. You know, certainly some of my games yesterday, there were situations where every turn I was needing sixes to hit something because there was terrain in the way That's and there right. was long range. But you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna throw enough dice at it. I'll hit eventually.
0: Exactly. And that's why you're going to easy mode. So instead of needing sixes on sixes, you only need sixes. Correct. No (laughs) no movement penalties. Looking forward to that. Yeah, both of you are. You guys are like my most regular bolt action players and now opponents. And now you're both playing Americans. I'm like, oh, no. That's all right. Strap yourself in. Yeah, I'll need to get my fanatics up and running and then we can talk shop. You want some suicide AT? Catch. Anyway, uh, yeah probably inappropriate to say on a family show. Um I think that's about us though. Um so uh ladies and gentlemen, I think uh, if you would like to give us feedback, you can always find us on, uh, if you type Cast Dice into Facebook, you will find the Land O' Misfit Toys slash the home of the Cast Dice podcast. Please message me. My name is Brad. I am there. Um, That is my page. And if you have any sneers, jeers, abuses, or happy, joyous things that you've enjoyed about the show or suggestions for future shows, uh, please message us. There have been some great suggestions recently. Uh, I'm hoping now that I'm on school holidays, I will have the time to make some of those happen. Um, People have also been contacting me there about uh, suggestions for the Warlord cast. I know there was a lot of people clamoring for more information about the new Conflict 47 book. If you have not listened to the new Warlord cast, it is uh, on our feed. Uh, You can find it there. Uh, Episode 4 is literally all about Defiance, and it is a Ripper interview with the guys who wrote it. So you definitely got to listen to that. But I think it's about that time. So, whatever game you are playing, and no matter where you are playing it, I hope that your dice roll hot, your beverages are cold. But more than anything else, whatever you're playing, we hope that you are having fun. Good night.